Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. My name is Kim Smith and I am your host. We're on episode 143, Where is Your Rock of Escape? One of the, well, I, I need to say I'm recording in 2021, the like the very end. Uh, we're getting close to Christmas and one of the buzz words slash buzz phrases for those who want to kind of do something fun, maybe have an outing as a group, is to go into what are called escape rooms. And I've heard about them, but I've never known anybody who participated. So I, I looked them up because I, I was just wondering what what in the world is an escape room and in your additional resources i have a link down there to it's called escapetheroom.com and it's a blog and it gives you just a little information about escape rooms they first originated in japan in 2007 and they made it to the u.s around 2013 and so with an escape game, you, you have a team and the team is usually two to five people in each situation. And then you choose a certain adventure. It may be prison cells. It may be nuclear power pants. It may be theaters, dig sites, pirate ships, and so many more. And you have 60 minutes or less to get out of the room. And so you work together to solve puzzles and, you know, just kind of the whole idea of teamwork. It's a great team building exercise, but it's a whole idea that people would want to put themselves in a situation where they need to escape. I don't know that I will ever participate in one of these, not that it sounds like awful it really doesn't but just not really my cup of tea but the whole idea of team building and working together I kind of get that I do the whole idea of putting myself in a situation where I intentionally am in harm's way even if it is just in a mental we are in this room and we need to be able to escape kind of thing Putting myself in that kind of situation, not usually my thing. I spend a whole lot of my life trying to avoid situations where I feel like I need to escape. We've been talking in the book of 1 Samuel, we've been talking about King Saul and his stalking of David. David was going to be the heir apparent because Saul had alienated God in so many different ways. He hadn't followed God's commands. God gave him every opportunity and Saul had turned his back. And Saul absolutely hated David. He was so incredibly jealous because he felt like, first and foremost, he felt like the people had more respect for David than they did for him, which Sadly, he probably was correct about that part, but he did it to himself because he's running around like a lunatic trying to chase them. Instead of focusing on the matters of the kingdom and leading them in a godly manner, he is spending his time 
and the effort of his troops trying to find one man and the one man being David had nothing but concern for him and care for him and wanted to fight on his behalf and Saul was fighting a war of his own mind that's one thing he definitely could not escape sadly he could not escape the mental torture that he was putting himself through so we've been working our way through the book and we're in first samuel 23 we've been talking about different parts of it for the last couple of weeks we've been talking about david and his just repeated attempts to get away and saul's repeated attempts to just keep going and going and going we've seen saul think that because david was in a certain area that god must be on his side talking about on saul's side and the fact that we have this self-deception so many times that we think we're doing what god wants and god's on our side when it's all about what's going on in our own mind and and that's where saul was and last week we talked about the quick blink of a an appearance by Jonathan, which is Saul's oldest son, where he came and he risked his life to tell David to stay strong in the Lord. And we talked last week about the importance of encouraging others to remain strong in their faith. And I'm hoping that you reached out to at least one person and encouraged them to stay strong in their faith. And today we're going to do 1 Samuel 23, 19 through 29. And we're going to look at this whole concept of the rock of escape. And as we look at this and we look at it in the life of David, I want you to begin to think about where are those places of deliverance? Where has God delivered you in your life? We all have different dangers. They come in different forms. The first and the most obvious is the physical danger. In David's case, the physical danger came because he had a king who was absolutely bound to kill him. Other physical dangers hurricanes, tornadoes, physical storms. Yes, people can be. Yes, equipment can be. Yes, automotives. I mean, like automobiles. Like there are many things that can be physical dangers to us. Then there are emotional dangers. I mean, how many times has God intervened on your behalf when your emotions were going on, on unchecked like Saul? like Saul, God gave him opportunities to turn, but he just kept going forward. He had opportunities to escape, escape the prison that he was locking himself into, but he chose not to do so. So we've got physical, emotional, we've got mental. We've got mental. How many times have you been in a loop in your mind? where you just will not let it go, whether it be guilt, whether it be the pursuit of something that you just have to have, wherever it may be, and God stepped in and helped you harness those thoughts so that you could move forward. And then spiritual. And I'm sure there are probably other categories, but these are just the first ones that came to mind. Spiritual. Where have you been delivered in a spiritual realm? It may have been some sort of spiritual bondage. It 
that could have been that. It could have been a certain temptation that you just kept falling into over and over and over and over again. And God kept giving you a way of escape or a way out. And finally, you took it. I want you to think about our weekly assignment feature is where are the places of God's deliverance in your life? And, you know, can you label them one of those places where you could place a rock of escape? So let's continue on. 1 Samuel 23, 19 through 29, starting out with 19. But now the men of Ziph went to Saul and Gibeah and betrayed David to him. And I'm, I'm just reminding you as we start this, just because David is doing the right thing does not mean everything is going to go right. That doesn't mean that everybody is going to play by the rules. It doesn't mean that God is going to keep him from every evil. It just doesn't. It says, we know where David is hiding. They said, he is in the strongholds of Horish on the hill of Hekilah, which is in the southern part of Jezimon. Come down whenever you're ready, O king, and we will catch him and hand him over to you. They're brown-nosing to King Saul. Like, they know he's out to get David, and so they're trying to help him so that he will bless them. He will help them. He says, the Lord bless you, Saul said. Again, Saul is so self-deceived. The Lord bless you, Saul said, and at last someone is concerned about me. I considered making this podcast on that particular phrase because like how many times do we make the world about us and Saul is so he's so focused on himself he doesn't leave much room for others to be concerned about him but the fact that he's so self-absorbed that he, he believes that everyone else should be just as absorbed in his issues. Now, he doesn't think they're issues. He thinks he's in the right. But at last, someone is concerned about me. How many times have you fallen into that poor, poor, pitiful me trap? That's not our main point today, but I just want to mention it because we all struggle with thinking we are the center of the universe. We're not. Let's go on. Go and check again to be sure of where he is staying and who has seen him there. For I know that he's very crafty. Discover his hiding places and come back when you are sure. Then I'll go with you. And if he is in the area at all, I'll track him down. Even if I have to search every hiding place in Judah. So the men of Ziph returned home ahead of Saul. Meanwhile, David and his men had moved into the wilderness of Maon in the Arabah Valley, south of Jeshimon. So remember, David has his motley crew. Started out with 400 men who decided to follow him into his kind of exile. And now he's got at least 600 of them. It says, when David heard that Saul and his men were searching for him, he went even farther into the wilderness to the great rock. And he remained there in the wilderness of Maon, but Saul kept after him in the wilderness. Saul and David were now on opposite sides of a mountain. Just as Saul and his men began to close in on David and his men, an urgent message reached Saul that the Philistines were raiding Israel again. 
So Saul quit chasing David and returned to fight the Philistines. Ever since that time, the place where David was camped has been called the Rock of Escape. We're coming back to that. Verse 29, David then went in the strongholds of Engedi. So we talked about caves a few weeks ago. We were talking about the Psalms that David wrote from the caves. He, we've already seen him in the cave of Adullam. And we've seen him struggling in, you know, why am I in here? Why is this happening to me? And he's now going into the strongholds or the caves of Engedi. But let's go back to 28. So Saul quit chasing David and returned to fight the Philistines. Ever since that time, the place where David was camped has been called the Rock of Escape. Does God always protect us physically? No, he does not. No, he does not. Does he always protect us spiritually when it comes to temptations? Well, yes, if we look for it, because in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful and he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. God doesn't protect us from every physical danger. He doesn't protect us from every emotional danger. Look at the life of Hosea, which I think is about to the book that, the, it's a fiction book, it's called Redeeming Love, that was written based roughly on the book of Hosea and the story specifically of Hosea and Gomer. But you can tell from that book that God definitely didn't protect Hosea from all emotional damage. He doesn't promise that he will always give us an escape from emotional difficulties. He, he doesn't. Mental ones. But we do know that if we will choose to avoid temptation, he will give us a way of escape. So let's think just for a moment. I've been thinking about escapes in the Bible. And I'm sure there are many of them. But I want you to think of just a few. Like, how about Noah and the ark? <laughs> like, to say that God provided a way of escape for Noah is kind of an understatement. You know, remember, God was going to kill off everybody because, I mean, the world was just full of sin. Sin, sin, sin. A whole lot like the world that we live in right now. And God provided a way of escape. Now, Noah had to work hard. For that way of escape, he worked for many, many, many years building this boat and went through so much ridicule. But in the end, he and his family were saved from the disaster. God provided a way of escape. The way of escape came through hard work, but it was a way of escape. How about the Israelites in the Red Sea? They have left Egypt at God's command. They are hightailing it out and you know pharaoh says i want you to go like you are causing me so many problems just get out of here but then when they take off he changes his mind and he and his soldiers begin to chase them and they're soldiers and they have equipment and the israelites are just a bunch of people running like, from a human standpoint, they're just going to get obliterated. And 
they're running across the Red Sea in the fact that that is an obstacle and it's an obstacle that they cannot possibly overtake. They've got the Red Sea on one side and they've got the they've got Pharaoh and his mighty army coming up behind them. There is no way of escape, but there was because God made a way. Quoting the Don Moen song from years ago, go god will make a way when there seems to be no way he works in ways we cannot see he will make a way for me and that's what he did for the israelites they are standing against an obstacle that cannot be moved but yes it can because god can do all things i am especially partial to that story god used that story in my life in just amazing ways a few years ago i was up against a really difficult red sea my red sea was not a wall of water now that's a fact it wasn't a wall of water but my red sea was a wall of I don't have what I need. And I don't see any way that this, like how could this possibly turn out? I wake up in the middle of the night. I'll be freaked out. And uh, there's a particular verse, and I hadn't looked it up earlier, so I'm going to look it up real quick. I I know the verse by heart, but I, I want to get it right in the context. And, You know, the Israelites are looking and they're looking at these Egyptians coming after them. And what do they do? Well, they start complaining. Have we seen that theme before by chance? Yeah. They start complaining. They are tripping out again. And they're just like, Moses, what are you going to do? Like, there's, you, you know, fix it. Exodus 14, so as Pharaoh approached, this is verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you, why did you bring us out here to let us die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will will never be seen again. And my verse, my verse that I had printed, my verse that I quoted, my verse that I lived on for so long. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. In what area of your life do you need an escape? Is it physically? Is it emotionally? Is it spiritually? Is it mentally? 
listen to the next few words. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops and his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before the just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted, the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When the all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. God God is the God of escapes. No matter what it is that you are facing, God hears you. God is fighting for you. If you are willing to submit to him with all your heart. Next one. Esther, Mordecai, and the Israelites. The book of Esther, one of my favorite books. One of my absolute favorite books. And even though the name of God is not listed in the book, God is all over the book. And we see God work on behalf of the Israelites. The Israelites, the evil Haman, wants to kill them because he hates Mordecai. Sounds similar to Saul and David, does it not? Mordecai has no idea how much danger he is personally in, but he finds out that the Israelites are in mortal danger. And he goes to Esther and asks her to approach the king on behalf of them. She's not real thrilled about that, but eventually she comes around. And God intervenes. God intervenes by giving the king insomnia and prompting him to ask for the history of his kingdom to be read. And he is reminded of what Mordecai had done for him. And the plot twist that happens can cause your head to spin. But where did that way of escape come from for Mordecai personally? For Esther and the remainder of the Israelites, it came by the hand of God. 
Exodus 14, 14. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. How about Paul in prison? It's the only New Testament reference we're going to do, but we've got Paul and Silas in prison. Acts 16, 16 through 40, it says, One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and it instantly left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. The mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. You got that line? So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the others the other prisoners were listening. I'm sure they were. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked him, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in, the, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, and along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him, with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before him, them. He and his entire household rejoiced because they had all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves and release us. And the story goes on. God provided a way of escape. They could have come, them and everybody else, major jailbreak as a result of the earthquake. But it wasn't yet time. They had a bigger plan in place. The heart of the jailer was worth delaying their, quote, escape, unquote, because their delay, selfless as it was, it allowed that jailer and his family to escape the penalty the eternal penalty of their sin. What is the greatest escape? It is provided by Christ's sacrifice on the cross that you and I, if we believe that Jesus 
is the Son of God who lived a sinless life, who died on a cross for your sins and mine, and you choose him to be the Lord of your life. You escape the penalty, the eternal penalty for your sins. God is a God of deliverance, whether it be through the Red Sea, whether it be from the waters that covered the earth that were judgment, whether it be Mordecai and his personal danger that he didn't even realize he was in, the danger that the Israelites were in, and God totally flipped the script. Paul in prison. Peter in prison. And on and on and on the story goes. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. David. David is being stalked by Saul. And we will continue to see this in future weeks. But we will also see God use the struggles that David is undergoing to continue to grow him into the man that he created him to be, into the king that he has ordained him to be. And the poet that wrote a good portion of the book of Psalms wrote those beautiful songs that we quote, that we sing, that we put so much faith in because we see David, the man after God's own heart, we see him struggle, and yet we see him trust. How about your rock of escape? It may have been a physical one where somebody was out to get you and God protected you. It may have been in the midst of a storm. It may have been in the midst of a firestorm where somebody was out to get you, not with stones, but with words. They were out to get your reputation and God stepped in. Where are the places of God's deliverance in your life? How about you take some time this week? To just ask God to show you. He may show you places that you have no idea. You have no idea how close you were. Either physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. That you had slidden so far and you did not even see it. Or you relationally were within an inch of losing your life or emotionally investing in a relationship that would have destroyed you. I should have put financially because that's another one. That's another category. Has God ever intervened for you? And that is where there's a rock of refuge. I have many of those where God put a rock of escape There are certain images that come to my mind right now where if God had not intervened, I have no idea. 
I have no idea where I'd be today. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. Will he always rescue you? Will he always give you a way of escape from the penalty of your sins in an eternal spectrum? Yes, he will give you that escape. There's no doubt about that. And he will give you an escape from your temptations. If you are willing to take the escape, he will give you that escape hatch. He won't always give you escape from physical, mental, emotional danger. He won't. But many times he does. Like, we will spend so many tens of thousands of years in heaven seeing what God has done. I just can't imagine. I just can't imagine seeing all that he has done. All the times that he's intervened. All the times his angels have had charge over us to guard us in all of our ways. Where we didn't even know. We didn't even know the danger around us. I'm going to sign off here. Remember, you can reach out to me, encouraging others in loving Jesus at gmail.com. We've had some new members to our Facebook group. I'm looking forward to what 2022 is going to hold. You may be listening to this in 2022 or beyond, but where I'm sitting at the moment, we're about to cross over to the new year, and I look forward to see what God might be doing in the Facebook group. One of the things that I want to introduce, I thought about it this week, it just didn't get done, but what I want to introduce is sometime about midweek, I want to jump on, and whether I do a Facebook Live or I do a short video, just reinforcing the weekly assignment feature. Just reminding you and kind of checking in and seeing how you're doing with the progress. Uh, Just, you know, wanting to know, wanting to know, you know, just how, how you are progressing. So thank you for tuning in. Share this with others. Remember, it's free to share. And remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. (music) 